Stephanie sat in the pre-dawn darkness with the duvet grasped under her chin. Through the open curtains, the sky turned from black-blue to mackerel grey. The bedside light was switched on. The overhead light was switched on. In the palm of one hand, her mobile phone was cloudy with the heat from her tight grip. On the bedside cabinet, the small travel clock clicked towards 6am. When she turned the bedside light on, there had been no one sitting on her bed and no one in her room. When she'd summoned the courage to look under the bed, she'd seen large balls of greyish dust on painted floorboards, but no plastic bag. Her door key was still hanging from the lock of the secured door. The sash windows were closed and held tight with metal clasps. Only her clothes occupied the walnut-veneered wardrobe. She couldn't be sure that someone had actually interfered with her bags during the night either, because she'd left them unzipped and gaping before she went to bed. The scratching under the bed must have stopped when the light came on, though she couldn't recall the exact moment the noise ceased. When she put an end to the darkness, there had been no voice in the fireplace either. The fireplace grate and surround were made from metal, thickly coated in black paint and dusty. The chimney flue was no more than a few inches across. She'd moved her ear close to the fireplace and heard what sounded like a distant wind, nothing more. Stephanie looked at the walls around her more closely. They had not been decorated in years, not since the yellowing paper carrying the impression of bamboo stalks and leaves had been pasted upon them. The room was as depressing as the others she had lived in since leaving home, small capsules of space left stranded by the onward surge of life, untouched by modernization, and a source of revulsion for those of means. These rooms were now home to those who were only one more misfortune away from homelessness, and so close to dropping out of the statistics of the unemployed and into the statistics of those with no fixed address, or those reported missing. Stephanie squeezed the duvet until her nails pressed through the fabric and hurt the palms of her hands. Thoughts of the MDMA she'd once taken came back to her with the full weight and pressure of an accusation, as did memories of the skunk weed she'd smoked a few times and the magic mushroom tea she'd once drunk, all three years ago, in her first year at college. She wondered if those brief and fledgling experiments with drugs had been the cause of the hallucinations, some kind of delayed reaction. And as she sat in bed, Waiting for the morning, it began to seem a long time since she had woken in a room loud with intrusive sound. Most of her mind now insisted that the experience was part of the indistinct nightmare that had continued in the form of footsteps crossing the room, followed by the impression of someone sitting on the bed. All of it could have been imagined. Must have been. But what she had so recently heard in the dark didn't feel like the lingering effects of a dream. After she had slapped the lights on and finished her inspection of her sealed room, she'd thought about ghosts for a long time. And she remembered a story her dad had told her. Long before her natural mother died, her dad had told her that his own mother, Stephanie's paternal grandmother, once appeared beside his bed and asked, "'Are you coming?' 
The following morning, her dad was called on the phone by his sister to say their mother had died the night before in her bed, in her home, on the other side of town. The story had enthralled Stephanie, but also given her a hope that death was not the end. What she'd just endured made her wish that death was, in fact, final. Her dad also used to call her My Miracle Girl because she'd come close to death as a toddler after swallowing seawater. She had no memory of the incident, but had briefly wondered, when she was small, if nearly dying had made her special. Because at the funerals of both her grandfathers, in a way she still could not explain, she remembered being engulfed by a sense of them around her and inside her head at the terrible moment their coffins rolled behind the red curtains in the same crematorium chapel in Stoke.